This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, episode 82, Parenting and Pain, an interview with Crystal. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become Unstoppable Body and Mind. Hello, my loves. I have a special interview with Crystal, who's a parenting coach today. She helps overwhelmed parents learn to regulate their emotions and connect with their children. She interviewed me for her podcast. And as I learned more about her parenting style and what she coaches on, it sounded so similar to what I teach with emotional regulation and understanding your thoughts and feelings with pain. So I think you'll find this interesting, whether you're a parent or not. So we'll jump right in. Here's the interview. All right. So today on the podcast, we have Crystal, who is a coach for parents and especially parents who are overwhelmed and teaches a really interesting parenting style, which I feel like really um, relates to what I teach here on the podcast and um, will be interesting for parents, but also not only just for parents, this podcast, um, you can listen for the relationship between the parent and child. And um, since a lot of us are doing our own inner child work, it might be interesting um, as she describes parenting. But anyway, welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think that, um, you don't have to be a parent because my whole mantra is like, as you heal yourself from the inside out, then you heal your parent child relationship. So even if you don't have kids and you're listening to this, all of these things can apply to you as well, because it really is your own inner work that you do that heals all relationships, right. With your neighbors and your friends and employees and family and, and all of those things. So, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's helpful for everyone. Yes. Okay. That was perfectly explained. Um, so, so you have four kids of your own mm -hmm. and I'm super impressed because you've been homeschooling them for four years, 10 years. Oh, 10, 10. years. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. My oldest is in grade 10. So it has been, oh it's been long <laughs> doing it for a long time. Yeah. With yeah. Four kids. Mm -hmm. And then now you're traveling as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're, we just started traveling because I've always thought it would be super cool to homeschool and travel. Wow. Okay. So amazing. So you are really living it. You are really right yep. in the thick of it. What are the ages of your kids? So my oldest is 15. Uh -huh. um, I have three boys and a girl. So I have 15, 12 and eight year old boys that are fun and crazy and so wild. My 15 year old is less wild now, but my little ones are very wild. And then I have a five-year-old girl. Mm. So cool. And I have three yeah. boys and a girl too, just like, Oh, that, that is awesome. I they're actually just, love it. I they're love just it. all teenagers. Yeah. It's a fun mix. So what kind of parenting is it that you teach? And can you describe yeah. more about how you came to this? Yes, for sure. So, um, I call it radical connection. You're going to see some, probably hear some buzzwords of like positive parenting or attachment-based parenting or intentional parenting. And everybody probably explains them a little bit differently 
I mean, maybe, I don't know. Conscious parenting, that's the Conscious parenting, yep, yep, that's another one. Gentle parenting, respectful parenting. Um, I call it radical connection because what I, the way that I view it is it's really um, connection and relationship over behavior modification. So instead of us being like, we want to mold and shape our kids to be these people that just listen to us and sit still and, you know, don't talk back and all those things. Mm -hmm. It's really focusing on that relationship and connection. And as we have that secure attachment with them, they are more likely to um, obey us and listen to us and um, model our behavior. And so that's kind of what this parenting style approach is. So instead of using rewards and punishments and that kind of a discipline Mm -hmm. to get your kids to do what you want, um, you work on the relationship instead so that they naturally do what you want them to do. And obviously they're not going to do it all of the time, but really it's letting them have the space to be their own people, like to grow up, to be who they are. Um, so I love it and I've coached so many people on it. And what the difference that I do is like, I combine life coaching tools, mindset work, emotion work, inner work, um, with this form of parenting, because what I found in my personal life was like, my parents did not parent this way. They were very authoritarian. And, but when I, when my son who's 15 now was about two, they gave me this book from Gordon Newfelt called hold on to your kids. And they were like, you need to read this book. We parented wrong. <laughs> this is oh, the, wow. this is the right way. <laughs> yes. And I was like, okay. So I read it and I was like, oh, wow, this is the right way. And at that time I was very like angry, you know, timeout yelling, like all those kinds mm. of, you know, go-to parenting techniques that we that's the only way I knew. And that's the way that I did it. I hated it. And I didn't feel good about it, but I didn't know that there was another way. So I was introduced to this other way of parenting, read all these books. I even went to courses like in person with the author. Um, I've like just, you know, spent, I spent like a decade doing all these things. Um, but it didn't help because I felt like it was so hard to actually do. I was like, I need one of these experts to be in my house telling me what to do all the time in order for me to actually parent this way. Yes. And, um, then I had a neurodivergent child. I have a couple of them, um, who was diagnosed with a few things and he was traditional parenting techniques do not work on him at all. As, as do um, a lot of my clients have, have kids with ASD or ADHD, and you'll find that you are butting heads with them all of the time. And no matter what you do, it is not going to work. And so I just knew that I needed to switch my parenting. And at that point we kind of came to like a, ultimatum. I was like, I don't even know how to handle this anymore. Like I was, I was at like the lowest of lows in my parenting journey. And it wasn't until I, um, really started to shift my expectation and start working on myself that I was like starting to see these little changes. And when I found life coaching, I was like, Oh, like these are the tools that are missing in this parenting sphere. Like nobody's talking about these tools. And, um, at least that I know of, I don't know anybody that's merging these two. And I'm like, this is literally the answer. Like this bridges the gap between the kind of parenting that we want to do and who we are kind of naturally and intentionally. So, um, that's what I help parents with now. And I've totally changed my relationship with my son and his, his meltdowns used to be very like extraordinarily extreme, like bad. And, um, I didn't even know if we would be able to like live in the same house. Cause I'm like, this is getting really intense. And I've had clients like that too, who had teenagers that did end up in the hospital or in outpatient because it just got so severe. Um, and as soon as I started to switch me, my reaction, my response, um, my parenting, um, our relationship started to change and shift. And over the course of, you know, several years, 
it's completely changed. And he still has like little small triggers that will trigger him, but it's very, um, I would say it's 80 to 90% less intense and probably 95% or more less frequent. Um, his behavior is completely different. And now that I have another child going through the same kind of issues, um, now that I know what to do, it doesn't make it easier. It's still like such hard work. Um, it really is working on me and, you know, my response and my reaction that has really helped go through this, this new parent child dynamic with another, another kid going through the same struggles. So what I do now is kind of combine these two tools to help people heal that relationship. Mm -hmm. And we, we just often think our kids are the problem, right? We like go to, we're like, they need a therapist. They need medication. They need the support, right? When really it's our response to them and our, and our, um, relationship with them. I was interviewed by this lady on YouTube and this has happened so many times where I coach somebody. So she said, you know, it'll be more helpful for you to explain how this works. If you just coach me. So I coach her through this issue where she's talking about her tween and the struggles that they were going through. And I helped her kind of process what happened there and then get into like a different energy. And I was like, okay, now from where you're feeling now, let's go back to that experience. And you tell me how you would have responded. And she, you know, went through one, two, three, four. These are the things I would have done. And they are literally all the things from the books and the courses that I've been to that she hasn't, she doesn't know anything about this parenting. And I see this every single time that I coach, like nobody needs to know Nobody needs to read all the books. I mean, I still think they're lovely and explain things so well, but we don't need the books because we are our own parenting expert. We like it. We all have that intuition. If we tune in, right. Yes. Cause that I resonate so much from the, like before picture of the parent, you know, being Mm -hmm. so stressed out, especially when my kids were young and really thinking like, you know, my parenting is reflected in their behavior. And so there was this tension and this like combative, you know, relationships Mm -hmm. sometimes. And I didn't feel good. I hated that. So I heard of conscious parenting and I really resonated with that. And it felt Mm -hmm. so much better to me. And, and it makes sense from, you know, what we teach about tuning into the body with pain is the more you tune into your body and how you're feeling and accessing your inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. Sounds like this is going to help you with your parenting, Yes. It exactly is. It's like, if everybody has an inner expert, an inner life expert, right. And if we can like tap through all of the garbage happening in our brain and tap into that, like that, it always has the answers. And the way you explain, like, you know, I, you basically, you are making your child's behavior mean something about you as a parent. And so when it's good, then you're like, you feel really good. But when it's bad, you're like, wait a second, this means I'm a bad mom. And that's called personalization. We did that in lots of areas in our life, but specifically in parenting, it can really be so damaging because then we can really hold all this negative emotion inside of ourselves. Cause we're like, oh, my child's always, you know, throwing tantrums when we go to the grocery store or my teenager's always talking back and I don't know what to do about it. Like, and this must mean that I've done something wrong and it never means something about us. Like at least 99% of the time, right? Almost always it's that our child is just struggling or maybe that they haven't learned self-regulation yet. Like maybe we haven't modeled that to them. Maybe they do have some sort of a diagnosis that we don't know about. Maybe they're struggling at school and we don't even know what's going on there. Like Mm -hmm. there's always a reason behind a kid's behavior. I believe that kids are always doing the best they can always. And so if we come to the table, believing that 
then we interact with them in a totally different way than if we're just like, you're disrespecting me. That's like probably the most common phrase I hear. How can you help me get my child to start respecting me? (laughs) Right. Instead of like, my child is just having a hard time. They're not going out of their way to try to be disrespectful. They're not doing this on purpose. Even if it really feels true to you that they are, there is some reason that they're acting this way. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I love what you said about the parent modeling the um, calming behavior themselves, Mm -hmm. because definitely when you get into that moment with your child and you're yelling back, you're not modeling any kind of regulation at all. No. You're activated too. You're like on their level, right? Yeah. You're like, stop yelling as you yell at them, right? (laughs) And then it just like amplifies everything, which is normal. That's what, that's what our brains want to do. Our brains want to go to mirroring somebody else's emotion, or some people call it matching emotion, but we match that kind of level of intensity. And I recently heard that the the person with the strongest momentum behind their emotion will be the emotion that kind of gets taken on. Right. So if you have this kid, whatever the age, I mean, everyone has tantrums, even adults, but if you have a child who is melting down and you come in there and you're kind of chill and calm before that, it's not going to take much for you to get agitated and worked up and get up to their level. So it is really deeply hard in our work to get to the point where you can sit there and you can take your deep breaths and you can calm your soul down so that you can handle that. I feel like it's making room, this like huge container for them so that they can explode in whatever, you know, emotions they need to because they do need to release that frustration that has to happen. And so for them to release that frustration and us be the safe container where we're like, okay, you're safe. You're here. It's okay. And obviously we want to make sure they're safe and that there's not anything like dangerous around or happening. Um, but at the same time, it's, we want to keep our calm presence, you know, there so that that can help them. And it doesn't mean that they're going to immediately decrease. Like some people are like, it's not working. I tried that. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it literally takes hours when my toddler, I mean, she's five. I don't know if that counts as a toddler anymore. When she goes into her moods, it sometimes will be two hours. And obviously that's not ideal. And we're like, well, I don't want to do this for so long, but having her know, like mom's still here. She still loves me. My emotions are okay. Mm-hmm. All of me is accepted. Mm-hmm. Like even these strong emotions, like yeah. nothing's gone wrong here. Eventually she will calm down mm-hmm. and that being able to maintain that will really help our relationship because she'll believe those things. Whereas if I had freaked out the whole time, yeah, she would have been like, okay, so anger is bad. My emotions are not okay. Yeah. I'm not accepted. Um, this is not a safe space for me to share my feelings. Yeah. And we want our homes to be that safe space more than anywhere else. Right. Do you have an example of that, how that lasted for two hours? Like what was going on? Yeah. There's always like, it's funny because it's usually just something really little. So like, I'll use an example from yesterday. This happens frequently yesterday. She heard somebody say the word chips. She heard that there was chips. She heard that the chips happened while she was not there and that they're now gone. Uh, So she flies into her room screaming and yelling and just so upset. mm -hmm. So I go in there and I, you know, chat with her for a little bit. You don't ever want to have like, I mean, when you're in your emotional brain, you're low on logic, right? So Mm -hmm. there's no reasoning happening during this time. Yeah. Um, Also no distraction. How do people know when they're in their emotional? Yes. How do you teach them? 
Yeah. So if they're in their emotional brain, I, uh, I use what's called like the zones. Like it's kind of, Mm. it's kind of like red light, green light, yellow light. Like when in my mind, I'm like, okay, if she's totally exploded in red, like I know what her red zone looks like. Mm -hmm. I know what my red zone looks like too. So if anybody's in their red zone, you don't want to be like reacting from that. You don't want to be speaking from that. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to stay calm while she's Mm -hmm. freaking out in her red zone. I'm not going to try to like talk her out of her feelings and be like, you shouldn't be feeling this way. If it's a little bit less intense, if she's a little bit more yellow, I'll actually process her emotions with her. I'll say, okay, tell me what color, where do you feel it? Where is it in your body? And she'll usually say like, oh, it's black and it's heavy and it's right here. And like, as we just sit there and I ask her a couple of questions, just every minute or so, um, she'll be able to process that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, when somebody's in their red, this doesn't work so well because Mm -hmm. they're just really intense. So a lot of people just try to distract. They're like, let's just talk about something else. Here's a cookie. Like, you know, but that's not helping them release their frustration. So usually we're in her room. Usually she wants to be in her room and usually she just wants to scream and yell. And I'm like, okay, let's just sit here and scream and yell. And when it seems like she's kind of calmed down a little bit, maybe I'll try to go and hug her or snuggle Mm -hmm. her or sit beside Mm -hmm. her. And like yesterday that did not work. She started screaming again. She was like, no, 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 there's more here. And for me, I'm thinking, okay, wait, there's just more she needs to release, right? This isn't, this wasn't easy. She would sometimes start hitting and I'd be like, okay, you can totally be mad, but we don't hit when we're mad, right? We can hit pillows. We can hit, she's like, no, but I want to hit a person. I'm like, I know you do. That's what it always feels like when you feel this way, but we still don't hit people. And so you can say something calm, like, you know, I'm going to have to leave the room if you keep hitting me, but you don't have to say like, okay, you're a bad person or like, I don't know, shame them for that because of course they feel that way, right? They're five and they're mad and to them, it's this huge deal. And so that whole process took a while, but eventually she got to the point where she wanted to snuggle. And I've actually asked her before, like, what feels good when you're feeling that angry, mad way? Like, what do you want? And she said, I want to go in my room, slam the door and scream really loud. And then I want you to come and snuggle me. And so it was interesting that she that she already knew, like she knew what she needed in that moment. Yeah. So for me just to be like, okay, wait, that's fine. Like, she's just going to scream and it's not a problem because our brains are like, wait, 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 this isn't okay. And that comes from how we were parented because typically when we screamed, yelled, cried, had any intense emotion, our parents were like, go to your room or you're grounded, or, you know, we'll take away your favorite toy or any of those things. And what we're teaching them yeah. Is that like, like that, that emotion is bad or wrong? Yeah. That's which not what not. we want to teach our children for sure. Yeah. These people who are listening now are learning all finally now about like how we don't appro- we need to repress emotions and how yes. feeling the emotions and allowing the emotions is a good thing. It is. It's not your, it's the reaction to the emotion. We look at that and we're like, oh, the emotion's bad. It's not, it's how we react. If we respond in a way that's like, we're just, you know, breathing through it and we're feeling our feelings and whatever that looks like, but we're not harming somebody else. Like that's, it's totally fine. Obviously we aren't going to just go punch everybody when we're mad as adults or as kids. Um, but I often see people be like, there's something wrong with my child. They, you know, hit and kick and yell and bite when they're mad. I'm like, who doesn't feel that way when they're mad? Like that is what it feels like inside. And when you're little, they're not supposed to Mm -hmm. self-regulate. It's called co-regulation and co-regulation happens with an adult that you're connected to um, being able to hold that space for you and model that calm behavior. 
so that over time you can learn self-regulation and people often think that this happens a lot younger than it it does. Um, Mm -hmm. from what I've read and researched, it's usually around 12 when self-regulation starts to happen. And it's not Mm -hmm. until like adulthood that we can actually fully self-regulate, right? Our brains aren't fully developed into like our twenties, sometimes even early thirties. So it, it, that self-regulation process is really a process. It's, it's learning. And when we come and say like, well, my five-year-old or my 11-year-old, or even my 14-year-old freaks out and they shouldn't be doing that anymore. They should know the skills. Then instead I'm going to look back inside and be like, okay, why don't they know those skills? Is it, is it just that my expectations are too high? Is it that maybe I haven't taught this skill yet? Yeah. Um, anyways. Yeah. yeah. I can talk about this for days. Obviously I I'm like, here spewing all this information at you, but well, it's, I think it is so relevant. And one question that I think the listeners might have is about, you know, they're working on their own regulation and that is a struggle. Like, right. Like, yeah. I think you said something like this is deep work. Like this is hard. It's not yeah. something that just, I think sometimes we expect it to be like, oh, this should be easy now that I know yes how to handle it. Like I should just be able to do that. And so, so maybe struggling with pain, they're already working on their own Mm -hmm. self-regulation. And, um, and then, uh, I I don't know exactly what my question is, but, um, so they might be, um, now noticing that this, you know, might help with their parenting and that if they're not doing it, that might be negative towards their parenting. Right. Like, I think what you're talking about is like, we, when we learn amazing tools and we're like, these are so great. We often start to weaponize them, which means like we use them. them against ourselves, yes, right? We're like, let's take this hammer that we could use to build a house. But instead of building a house, we're going to hit ourselves in the head with it. Yeah. And yeah. we do that we through do. taking it and being like, but we should be responding perfectly every time. No, no, you have a human brain. You were literally not going to respond perfectly every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my main soapboxes that I'm usually on is the more that we can feel compassion and grace for ourselves, the more easily it will flow out from us to others. So if we're thinking I'm not doing the work enough and this isn't working and like, I should be, I shouldn't have yelled and I shouldn't have freaked out. No, it's totally fine that you did. We all do that sometimes and loving and accepting yourself will then help you that to the next time that this happens and your child is freaking out to be like, okay, I know, I, I know that you're just having a hard time, right? Like, just like I was having a hard time. So, oh my gosh, that's so important. Can you just say that one more time about that compassion for yourself? Like, so, so many times I coach people and they've just yelled at their kids and they feel horrible and they, so you're saying, don't beat yourself up over that. Don't. Yes. Right. (laughs) It's like, it's like saying, okay, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to go to the gym every day, but I'm going to bring a person that's going to scream and yell at me and tell me what a bad job I'm doing because I'm not going fast enough. And mm-hmm. because I didn't like, I went to yoga instead of like going to a spin class and that's like mm-hmm. not as cool or whatever. Right. And you're just like, we're just going to bring this person around and be like, you shouldn't eat that. You shouldn't yeah. be doing that. What are you doing? Yeah. And then like, hope that that helps us lose weight sustainably. Yeah. Right. That, that never works. Like that no amount work. of beating yourself up will ever lead to sustainable change. So when it comes to parenting, what this looks like is the, I'm a terrible mom. The I'm a terrible mom is like, 
no matter what you do, like, I mean, you could feed your kids ramen noodles or cereal for dinner, or you could yell at them, or you could forget to pick them up after school. And then you're like, Oh, I'm a terrible mom. And this puts you in this shame spin cycle. It's like a wash cycle. It's like constantly spinning. What happens is you feel intense shame. And then the kind of parenting that comes from that is either withdrawing and disconnecting or overreacting even more yelling, screaming, being more short, not with only them, but other people. And as we, as any time that we're feeling shame, the actions that are going to come through that, if we're reacting and not processing it is that we're going to feel even more shame. We're going to do things that add to that shame. Yes. And the antidote to shame is self-compassion. So I think of it as like, it's like a glass. There's like five glasses that are empty. And then there's one glass on top of that five glasses and we're pouring water into the top glass and it's pouring and spilling out into these other glasses. So as we we're the top glass and as we pour self-compassion into ourselves, Mm. it naturally spills out from us. Mm -hmm. But if we only pour like a tiny little bit, or if we pour into the glasses below us, it's going to be a lot harder. It's like the easiest way to fill all of those cups is just to like, keep pouring in the top one. Mm-hmm. And that's how I imagine self-compassion and parenting mm-hmm. is the more that I can practice that loving and grace and compassion for me personally, mm-hmm. no matter how I'm showing up as a mom, the more that I believe I am doing a great job, I'm great at this. Then the more, um, we'll see those actions come out or like in our parenting, well, it'll be easier for us to feel compassion for our children and anybody around us. If you're not a parent, this, this works for everyone. Yeah. Well, and it's exactly the same thing that we teach with pain. Instead of focusing on the pain and not wanting pain, you focus on the times you have joy and the times Mm -hmm. that feel good and the parts of your body that feel good and the breath and the, you know, and the more you notice those good things, the more of them you see and the more there are. And it's just our thoughts creating our results. It's, it's, it is exactly, I think that, um, we, that is like, that is so what I teach in parenting because yeah. often parents come in, they're just like, my kid does this, 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 and this. And they list like a hundred negative things. Yes. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe not a hundred, but a lot. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's like, tell me the good. And like, it takes them a while to get there, but eventually they're like, you know, I just had this happen yesterday actually to a client. And she's like, well, you know, he really is kind and he really is helpful. And like, by the end, she was like, he's actually kind of awesome. And I was like, yeah. He is, isn't he? But when we focus on all of the things that they're not doing, all of the ways that they're not, you know, living up to what we hope that they would, Mm -hmm. then we don't allow ourselves to even see not, we're doing, we're not obviously not doing this on purpose, but we don't allow our subconscious to look for all of the things that they're doing that are amazing. And then we miss out. We miss out on all of the, those parenting years that we want to be enjoying. And no, you don't have to enjoy everything all of the time, but we don't want to be focusing yeah. so much on the negative because that just amplifies it. That amplifies our frustration towards parenting, towards our kids. Yeah. Um, it's just focusing, focusing on the wrong things. Why do you think people do that? What are the main things that you hear the reasons that parents do why that? they do it? Yeah. Um, I think that they do it because they think their kids are the problem. And uh-huh. then as soon as they feel that way, then they're looking out for problems. If we have this story of like, my kid's a problem, our brain's going to be like, okay, let's look for why that's true. And so our brain's going to immediately look for evidence of why that story is true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think deeper than that, it's that our brain has a negativity bias. So it, it um, yeah. feeds us more negative thoughts than positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always looking out for danger. So it's like, maybe this situation is yeah. a problem. Right. And so we just have to calm our brain down. Yeah. Like if, there's nobody in the world that's not doing their own inner intentional work. That's able to live in this way. Like you, you need to be, you need to be processing, you know, processing your emotion and processing your thoughts and, and reconnecting. So for instance, I tell people like 30% of the time we're going to get it so that you can like do it pretty well. 30% Uh of the time you're going to mess up. And 30% of the time you're going to spend like apologizing and reconnecting. Mm, um, I love that. I, it's so good for me yeah. to hear it. Like, cause I've thought that too. Like, what is the balance? You're obviously not going like, to do it hundred percent. No, never. And 30, 30, it is the reason why it's such a blessing is that you're teaching your kids how to process failure. Yes. So I, t- I, I had a client who said, I always thought anger was so bad. And I felt so much shame for my anger because my parents never got angry. They literally never Mm -hmm. once showed their anger. So then she grew up thinking like, okay, this must be a problem. There must be something wrong with me. Felt such intense anger or shame around her anger that then she would explode like in the opposite way. So, um, we want to teach our children that all emotions are okay, that it's normal Mm -hmm. as humans to lose it. Sometimes we all do. And what we can do to apologize and reconnect, like that is the natural cycle. And the more that we can model that, the more that we can instill that behavior in them. Right. Yes. And all of those emotions and especially like anger. I do hear that one a lot where the Mm -hmm. opposite parents were very angry or one parent was angry. And so then, you know, it's hard to know how do you, how do you have anger without it being this scary thing, you know? So yes. And I'm sure with all of the other emotions as well, not just anger, but shame. And, you know, the more that we are doing the work ourselves and which, you know, all of the people listening to my podcast are because their body has brought them to that point (laughs) where it's like, you have got to do those. You have to do it. Yeah. You can't keep avoiding it. You can't keep neglecting your own feelings and what a beautiful thing, because then you're, you're modeling this to the next generation of people. Exactly. And then we're raising these kids that like, aren't spending decades healing themselves emotionally. They have the skills and they have the tools. And that really is my end goal is like, I want to help the mom because the mom really does shift the whole energy of the home. And as she models that behavior to her kids, they will learn this, even the behavior to her kids of being imperfect, of making mistakes of sometimes yelling, right? Like that's okay. And as we model that behavior, and as we teach them those skills, then we're raising those emotionally intelligent and resilient little people that we want as they turn Mm -hmm. into adults. So that's kind of my whole goal. And I really do believe that that intuition, that inner knowing that we have also relates to parenting that we don't need to be asking outside of ourselves for the answer. Mm. And, um, I was coaching somebody else this week and she, um, was struggling with the situation with her child. And really she dealt with it perfectly. She freaked out, but then afterwards she was like, calm down and reconnected and was like, you know what? I was feeling upset. And this is, you know, what I was thinking and feeling and how are you feeling? And it ended up being this great conversation that they had. Um, but she wanted to go back and reassess it. And she was like, okay, what could I have done? And I was like, well, let's figure that out. I'm not going to tell you the answer, but let's figure out what your answer is. And as we uncovered it for her, she gave me four steps and I call it her playbook. I'm like, those, that's your four-step playbook. Mm. Like you just came up with exactly what you would do 
in four steps the next time so that the next time it happens, you can be like, okay, wait, this is the spot where I stop. Mm -hmm. I take a few deep breaths and I notice and name what I'm feeling. Mm. Number two, this is the spot where I notice the thoughts that are going on in my mind. I bring them to my consciousness mm -hmm. out of just, you know, randomly subconscious thinking. Yeah. Number three, this is where I just like, don't react or respond yeah. until I'm feeling more calm. And then number four, then I'm going to respond. Like once I've gone through mm -hmm. those, right. And I just thought that's amazing yeah. that she was able to uncover all those skills for herself. That shows that how much inner work she's done. But I really think that we can all uncover our own playbook, our own self-help yes. book that is yes. unique and individual to us yes. that will work for us. And it all comes like none of this none of these ideas come from hating on ourselves, like shame and judgment and being self-critical will 100% of the time, keep you from knowing what your intuition is saying. Yes. You will not, you will never be able to tap into like, how should I deal with this situation yes. with my child? Like yeah. that, it won't come from that. Yeah. And you can know by checking in with your body. This is what I teach. That mm -hmm. When you start feeling your body tense, you're like, Oh, okay. I'm starting to feel angry. That access through the body can be such good awareness. I was going to ask you, what are your favorite tips to tell parents when they're in that, you know, they're noticing they're mm -hmm. labeling or whatever, but they're, you know, how can they calm down? What are your favorite ones? Yeah. So I think that the first step is awareness is mm -hmm. noticing how you're feeling. How does this feel in my body? Like, what am I like just checking in with like, what's really going on? Um, so I usually say like, name it. Um, naming it is part of emotional literacy. We need to understand how we're feeling and give that feeling a name. Mm -hmm. And most of us, I'm in a, I'm in a training program right now through Brene Brown. And she says that most adults only know like mad, sad, but glad, mad, sad, glad. Yeah. She's like three. <laughs> right. And so being able to, um, you, you don't have to be right. Like just practice it. Like, what do I think mm -hmm. this is? Is it agitated, frustrated, defeated, discouraged, shame? Like there's so many emotions. And yeah. if you struggle with that, go print off a feelings wheel or yes. a feelings list mm -hmm. and, um, just start being aware of like, this is what I'm feeling in my body. This is how it feels. And that's what the name is. And, um, as you understand how it feels in your body, it can be helpful to explain it. Like sometimes I describe it out loud to myself. Like it mm -hmm. feels like it's in my chest and it's heavy and it's dark and it's like, you know, a ball shape or whatever you want to do mm -hmm. to kind of explain it. Yep. Um, and then just to allow it to be there. And it's interesting how much resistance we have. And it's usually the resistance of the emotion that we're feeling that's so uncomfortable. Yes. So yes. as soon as we allow it, as soon as we're like, okay, I'm feeling agitated, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to allow the feeling of agitation to be present in my body. Yes. As soon as I say that I can immediately feel my shoulders relax. I can immediately oh. feel just like, it's almost like my whole body, like breathes a little sigh of relief. Like I can allow and, it and yes. then you just relax a little bit. Yeah. And oftentimes that's all I need to do. Yeah. If it's a um, deeper emotion, I might need to do a little bit more of a process, but, yeah. um, just like I mentioned, like creating your own playbook, create your own playbook when it comes to these times too. Mm -hmm. So I help my kids create this as well. So there's like a list that we have of like little kind of like icons. That's like all the different things you can do when you're mad. Right. So like Ooh, maybe it's nice. jumping on a trampoline or like listening to music or reading a book. Yeah. And so we came up with this list together. We had all these little images they could look at. We practice them 
when they were in their happy mode, when they were feeling good. Oh, and then, yeah. um, cause that helps you kind of retain that muscle memory of like, oh, I remember that this was something I liked. Yeah. And eventually they all kind of come up with their thing yeah. that helps them. So they're going to go outside on the trampoline or one of them likes to go like read a book in his room and close the door. Yeah. My daughter likes to, you know, scream and yell and then snuggle, like whatever yes. their like little cycle yeah. is, it helps yeah. them uncover what helps them to regulate. Yes. We do the same thing as adults. Like literally you could yes. just look up a list and be like, okay, is it nature? Is it taking deep breaths? Is it music? Mm-hmm. Is it prayer? Is it meditation? Um, whatever yeah. things feel good to you and then just yes. practice and try them and be willing to be wrong. Like you don't have to like come up with the one thing that works in every situation. Yeah. Cause part of it is the flexibility of knowing yourself and starting to have a bunch of tools in your tool belt to use the next time you're feeling that way. And I was taking an emotional self-regulation class recently. I'm really into emotional regulation, (laughs) especially because I work with so many moms and that's kind of our issue, dealing it with ourselves and dealing with it with our kids. And what she said was to make a hierarchy of emotion. So Uh for instance, let's take anger and let's figure out scale of one to 10. How does it feel at each number? So at one, what does it feel like at two, at five, at seven, at 10, mm-hmm. what does it feel like in my body? Mm. And then once you've done that hierarchy, okay, let's go to the like a solution. What feels like it would be good at that time at a 10, it's probably going to be like going and locking myself in a room and screaming really loud. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas at a seven, maybe it looks like I can process that feeling. Maybe I can just sit there and I can take some deep breaths. Maybe at a five, I can just do some thought journaling. Maybe at a two, it's just like allowing the emotion in for 30 seconds. Um, so I love that idea because it's us coming up with our own and I love the scale. I thought that that was just so great. Yeah. I've never heard of it that way. And it makes so much sense that like anger is a scale and, Mm -hmm. um, And that, yeah, knowing that when they're, when you're at that, really that height, you know, just maybe taking that break, walking away and that's, that's okay. You know, that's, that's how you're regulating in that moment. Yeah. And exactly. I I love that idea of like allowing all of the, the emotion, um, because I think sometimes we're like, I don't know if you've thought this with regulation, some people might think it means like, you're just supposed to only feel one thing all the time. Like you're <laughs> yeah. just supposed to like be completely regulated all the time. This flat yeah. line, like stoic. Yeah. yeah. I think that's called like apathy. Is it? No, not yeah. apathy. <laughs> yeah, There's like right? an affect. That's what it is where you don't yeah, feel no, any negative yeah. or positive emotion. And I know somebody that that has that regularly and they do not enjoy that. They're like, it is the worst to not be able to feel happy, to not be able to laugh when I want to laugh because I don't feel anything. Like we have to feel it all. Like if we want to have this full life experience, like we need to accept both ends and we need to accept that like self-regulation isn't like a, it's not like a perfect balance. It's not like you're going to be standing in the center of a teeter-totter holding this like pressure and this resistance of like, I'm not going on either end. Like, I'm just going to stand on this teeter-totter in the center. Um, it's that sometimes you're going to go on one side of the teeter-totter and sometimes you're going to go on the other side and you know how to get back to either side. And even Mm -hmm. if it takes a while, like some days I just feel junky for the day. Like that's okay. That's what everybody does. And then the next day I might feel totally different. Um, and to know, what feels good to me. Like yesterday I was having one of the down days and I'm like writing down, like, what do I think would feel good? And it was like Mm -hmm. taking deep breaths, listening to music and Mm -hmm. going outside. And I was like, I need, I need those today. And just allowing myself to 
go a little bit deeper than like what we think will make us feel better, which we use like our go-tos are usually like food or alcohol or scrolling social media or watching TV. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and beyond that, we're like, I don't know what would make me feel better. So like I help people, like, let's not just figure out the surface desire here. Let's like dig down mm-hmm. to what would really actually rejuvenate me. Yeah. And do you find that people sometimes have resistance to, um, trying to feel good more of the time? I think that, I think most of the resistance I see is like, it takes too much time. Like oh, I don't yeah. have time for that. I'm, I'm a busy mom. Yeah. I don't have time. And I'm like, it takes like 60 seconds for one. So like, yes, yeah. every, every person has time. There is nobody that doesn't have time mm. because it doesn't have to be long. It can mm-hmm. be woven throughout your day. And yes. like number two, the whole mom guilt of like, but I shouldn't spend time and money on myself. Mm-hmm. That's actually false. You'll actually, the, the worst parenting comes from that because it leads to burnout and overwhelm yeah. and stress. Yeah. Whereas if your cup is full, then you're going to pour out to everyone else, right? Like yes. if you're filling your cup with that. what you're passionate about and taking care of yourself, it'll be so much more simple and easy to take mm-hmm. care of the people around you. It won't seem like such a struggle. And it's, it's great if you, you know, if you're working on this stuff, if you have pain, because this is the exact same kind of thing we're working on and just knowing that that's going to be helping with your parenting too. And yeah. that, you know, all of these things tie together. And as you're, you know, just learning this regulation, being compassionate with yourself, allowing the lows and the highs, Mm -hmm. all of these things, you know, if you are a parent, that's the best kind of parenting because you're modeling that for your kids and you're, yeah, I spend way less time. Like people come into my program thinking like there, she's going to give me parenting tips. I'm like, no, this is not about parenting tips. Like this is about, let's figure out how to take care of you and look inwards And so, yeah, like what you said, like meditation or taking a bath or going for a walk or journaling, like you're like, but that's not related to parenting. Yeah. 100% it is. It's related to anything you're doing in your life. And if you are going to come to whatever you're doing to work, to, you know, parenting in a totally different energy, it will completely change how you show up in the world. Yeah. Um, So it might not seem connected, but it actually is the most connected. It's the, it's the best work you can do in order to change your parenting. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's just so counterintuitive sometimes to think that, you know, when you want your kids to change that you work on your own change first, Yes, (laughs) but um, our brains are really resistant to that idea, but it's, it really is that like, as we work on us, our parenting is going to change. Well, I, I think it's really fascinating. There's obviously, you know, a lot of thought you've put into it, your own, you know, experiences, I'm sure. Um, it sounds really beautiful. It sounds, I'm sure it's like messy and chaotic half the time and beautiful and loving half the time, but it just sounds like, um, you know, such a, a connected and, you know, kind of resonant way to, to apply this work in parenting and, you know, for the people doing this work with their chronic pain, it, it sounds like it would go right along. And for anyone that has kind of more questions for you, how do you work with people? And could you give us a little information about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I love Instagram. I, I really love it like a lot. So 
<laughs> come find me there. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the dot parenting dot coach okay. um, on Instagram. I love to do Instagram lives and I love to answer people's questions. Um, and I also really love my podcast. So my podcast is called the freedom moms podcast. You can come listen to Betsy over there. I was going to say, there's a really good episode coming up. There's a really good episode. Um, so come hang out with me over there too. My podcast is great. Um, I have a monthly program for moms where we combine these, this radical connection and all of the inner work and the life coaching tools. Um, it's, it's great. I could talk about it for a long time, but, um, and then I also coach one-on-one, um, depending on when this airs, I may or may not have spots open, but right now I'm currently taking one-on-one clients as well. And that could be either for you or you and your partner. I really love working with couples and with them to help achieve their parenting goals. Um, so yeah. That's, do they meet that's together? How does that work? Do they meet? Yes. Together? Yeah, yeah. They meet together. Okay. Yeah. So all three of us meet on zoom and we do all the same work together. And it's mm-hmm. especially helpful for, um, parents that both, um, they're both struggling with this. They're like, yeah, I kind of know there's a different way to do it. I don't really know how to do that. Um, you don't mm-hmm. have to know about this parenting technique first. Like I said, it's very intuitive once you kind of get it yeah. flowing. And, um, I love it. I love working with dads actually in my monthly program for moms, um, couples can attend once a month to one of the coaching calls. So I actually do coach a lot of, um, spouses on those calls. So yeah, it's been really fun. Cause I would imagine a lot of parents have different parenting styles and all that comes up when you have a a child that tests those boundaries. For sure. So it's really helpful. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll have all of the links in the show notes so that you can check out Crystal and her work. Such important work. It's so great because, you know, when, when people can learn those skills with regulation, with parenting, you know, it's not only going to help them, but the next generation. Yes. Yes. I always tell people you're like breaking the generational parenting cycle by doing your own work. So even though your own work seems really hard, how worth it is for you to change that cycle so that your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, um, will be set up in a completely different way. That is beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life. Like it helped me, please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.